Broadcasting live and worldwide. Here's Brody Brazil. Well, David, the farther away we get from that crazy, non-normal 2020 season, and the more the dust settles and you realize things, do you feel like for the franchise that season was, was it a step forward? Was it just something neutral? Or maybe even was it a missed opportunity? It's it's a good question, and uh, it could could potentially be a little of all three. Um, I mean, I'm I'm very proud of what our guys did on the field. Um, first of all, winning the division, um, but but even just getting out there for 60 games and and going through the protocols, staying safe, and and you know providing a product for our fans. I, you know, Bob and his staff and the players really uh, really sacrificed a lot. So. Um, that was great to see. Winning the division was obviously our goal at this time last year. I don't think we knew the season was going to quite look like that. But yeah, we, we won the division, and then and then to win a playoff series, which frankly it had been a long time, and a lot of people in this organization had been waiting a long time to kind of get over that hump. Um, obviously, we then came up short against the Astros from from ultimately what we wanted to do. Um, but it's hard not to look at the 2020 season as a success in a lot of ways. Translating that into your next season and just across baseball, the free agent market uh, is not operating very quickly for for a number of reasons. And maybe we can get into that in just a second. But from a person like me, the outside looking in, I'm not making these phone calls just because deals are moving slow. Does that mean also that talks are moving slow on the inside? No, you're right. I, I, just because deals are moving slow does not mean that uh, that there aren't talks. And and we've had a lot of conversations with both agents, and you know I've talked to GMs from other teams. Um, you know we've seen the last couple of years the the free agent market. You know everything kind of moved back to around when the winter meetings would be. Right um, now we didn't have a winter meetings this year, and there's a ton of uncertainty about the 21 season that that is adding to this. So things are going to be moved back even further on the calendar, but but the conversations are taking place. And I do want to get to those uncertainties uh, about 2021. And look, this is nobody's fault. This is also something that's um, not like somebody knows a secret and it is not telling us. Just nobody really knows. Like there's 162 games on the slate already. I'll be honest. I don't feel terribly confident that all of those games are going to get played or or in a completely normal format. Do you, in planning your team, do you have to look at it and say, I'm planning for 162? Or in the back of your mind, do you have a plan B, C, and D? Well, both. I mean, we're planning for 162 because until we're told otherwise, like that's what we're expecting right. to play. Um, but we also, you know, I can read the tea leaves out there. I see what's going on in the country. I see... You know, it's being written about the, the commissioner's office conversations with the Players Association. And we right. know that there are they're going to have to be contingencies. And, and look, we would we would love to play as many games as possible in front of fans. I mean, you you know, you were out there at times last year. It's such a different place without people in the stands. I mean, you all you have to do is look at the opening night when when Ole hits the grand slam in, in extra innings <laughs> in front of no one. Right. And you're like, you're they like, didn't know what to do. The players did the, not know what to do to celebrate yeah. that. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sitting up there in a suite. I'm thinking, did this actually happen if no right. one was here to see it? Right. So, right. I mean, the priority for 21 is, is got to be getting fans in as many 
games as possible. And if that means pushing things back a little, then I know that's what they're talking about. If it, if it also means, you know, extending the season on the back end a little bit. Um, but it's so, you know, our players will be the first ones to say, like, playing in an empty stadium is, is not what anybody signed up for. So so we do have to have contingency plans if, if we end up moving the season back or, or shortening it. And so to project um, the future, but as for right now in, in, in planning for it and some of the business moves and decisions that you guys are having to make, I mean, across the board, isn't it just safe to say that the business side of it is is really affecting a lot of teams and the moves they can or cannot make? And I, and I imagine for you, somebody who's been doing this a while, this is unprecedented. I mean, there have been different teams with different budget restrictions, but right now, maybe it's it's falling across everybody. Yeah, it's, you're exactly right. And I, I don't envy Dave Cavill on his side of things, trying to project revenue and, yeah. and look at what the, the budgets and finances are going to be like. I mean, it, in a normal year, obviously, we have a ton of budget discussions and we're, you know, we're, our resources are what they are and it affects the payroll and what we do. But in a year like this, where there's, you know, there's eight different projections based on capacity or season length it's it's really hard and dave's got his hands full and and you know and and then we do as well trying to figure out what the team what the composition of the team and the payroll things are going to look like all right i want to get into a couple individuals here and i want to say thank you right off the bat for just getting chad pender taken care of uh one of my (laughs) one of my favorites you know a fan favorite kind of an a's like cult favorite there's a lot of people that really like the way he plays and this past season, um, after you know, kind of a segmented season, had to leave for a while, became a father, um, but also had the late hamstring injury in the season, then came back for the playoffs and really was a, a solid third baseman for the team, um, got a regular opportunity to play. Just based on the fact that he is locked in for next year and he got that experience and you already know what he's capable of, is there any opportunity for him in the future to just to settle into one role? Because I know his value obviously is in that versatility. Yeah, I mean, this has been the the issue with Chad is his whole career with yeah. us is is you know a lot of people wanting to see him settle in as an everyday guy, but but we know how valuable he is being able to move around and and you know all those things you said about Chad are true. He is he's a fan favorite. He's a clubhouse favorite yeah. and has been since he entered the organization. You know, he came in at a time when you know Ole was in that draft, Addison Russell, Daniel Robertson. These guys all sort of came in, and Chad has always been the guy. That, that other players look to to sort of set the tone. And, and that's incredibly valuable. So to get him locked up and signed for 21 is huge. Um, you know, not to mention he has probably two of the most iconic moments of this past postseason yep. with, you know, the single in the White Sox game to put us ahead, the incredible homer in Dodger Stadium to tie the game. I mean, just, you know, just his sort of energy at times is is huge for us. So, you know, does he get a more uh, a more regular role in 21? I think I think it's certainly on the table. I mean, we know right now there are holes in the middle of the infield. Um, there's some platoons in the outfield we're trying to figure out. But um, but I think Chad will be a big part of this 21 team. Pindergarten is more like a college course here in here in, in 2020. <laughs> we talked about that the other day. Um, look, I I know it's uh, it's hard to talk about a negotiation that you know is in progress, and everybody wants to ask you about Marcus Semi, and I feel obligated to at least say something here. I, I know there's a ton of mutual interest. I know you guys would love to have him. I know he would love to stay in Oakland, but I also realize there's a lot of business in between. Just because we're not we're not hearing much. In fact, we're not hearing anything. Um, should should it be believed that, that that things are stalled or that both sides are just working on stuff and just not talking about it a whole lot? 
Yeah, it's mostly the latter. I yeah. mean, look, we're, we're on record as saying how crazy we are about Marcus yeah. and everything he gave us over the last six years and his his story arc from you know yeah. from coming in that first year at shortstop and then turning into a, an MVP candidate and a team leader. It's it's exactly what you want for your organization. Um, but yeah, like you know, like you said at the beginning, like not to talk about specific free agents or whatever, but um, but but there are conversations going on with a number of a number of our guys who who left as free agents, and and it's always our hope to retain guys when we can, um, but it has to fit in to you know to the the twenty six or twenty eight man roster whatever we end yeah, up with, right. um, and, and and the finances as well. But um, there's no one I think more highly of than Marcus uh, and his time here the last six years. I want to talk a little bit about your closing situation and um, you know I'm kind of reading in between the lines things you've been saying since the season ended and and you have you know a lot of high hopes for a player like Jake Diekman to potentially slide into that role depending on whatever else happens in terms of free agency um, we know that the the 2020 he had and the reliability speaks for itself but that wasn't in a closing role. Um, from your vantage point, does that immediately translate if, in fact, he is put in that closing spot? And also the fact that he'd be a left-handed closer for you. Yeah, well, we, we know those last three outs of the game are, are always the toughest to get. And uh, it's funny. Look, as long as I've been doing this and as long as I've been talking to the media, even I can be surprised by headlines at times. And the, <laughs> the fact that, you know, last week the takeaway was like, Deekman is like is going to be the closer. I had to, I had to text Bob and be like, no, no, I didn't I didn't uh, make a proclamation. But but what I did say was that you know as well as Jake pitched right. in 2020 and right. as reliable as he was, there's no reason he couldn't pitch at the Got end it. of the game based on what we saw. Um, you know, it's interesting you bring up the fact he's left-handed because since Sean was here, we haven't had a left-handed closer. Mm-hmm. And we, we also know how valuable the matchups are in the seventh and eighth inning. Um, and in fact, that's what Bob said to me. He said, if he does close, can he also pitch in the seventh <laughs> inning? Because we know how great he is there. So look, it, we're, you know, we're lucky to have Jake for another year considering what he did in 2020. Um, you know, there's a number of other guys there in, in Wendelkin and Lou and, you know, Birch hopefully coming back healthy, like guys who have experience pitching in the seventh, eighth inning. So yeah. I think it's a good, it's a good place to start. It's obviously, you know, the bullpen is a place we know we have some work to do. And it does seem like arms might be a strong point in terms of the, the pipeline. And, and I just look at the the alternate training site that was in San Jose this past summer. Um, there, there do seem to be a lot of names and faces I'm interested to see if they can make the leap maybe for this next year. Is that is that kind of what you're planning on? Yeah, it is. And, and look, you know, things never go the way they look on paper. Um, yeah. But on paper right now, we have a starting staff. We have those guys in the bullpen. Um, but you do have a group of Jeffries, Caprillion, right. Holmes, you know, the two guys we added to the roster in Romero and Wandis and Charles. Um, and we've signed a handful of minor league free agents, guys who like um, – you know, Jordan Weems last year, say, mm-hmm. sort of came out of nowhere to be on our team. And Jordan's obviously still a candidate to be in that group. So there, there is a there's a depth of arms, um, maybe not experience, but certainly talent. I just like Jordan Weems's hair. I mean, I, I, was, I was mesmerized <laughs> by that before he even threw a pitch. Um, you know, another guy I want to talk about here is is another person who is a free agent. So I know you're working on it and I know you don't want to talk about the specifics, but I but I want to go back to the past season, like when you saw Tommy LaStella as an opponent 10 times, 
I mean, David, he was annoying as an Angels player, right? And that's oh, exactly was what, that he, what a pain, what a pain he was yeah, well, the other side. Well, as a compliment, was that was that like the selling point, or I mean, was he on your radar before that? And did, did just this just seal the deal, or did did you kind of realize in playing against him, hey, that is a person we could use? Yeah, I, I will say before you know before he was with the Angels, I don't think we had a full appreciation for what kind of player he was and what he what he brings every day. But mm-hmm. you know you see him as often as you do, and then you kind of match it up with the the metrics and see like this incredible contact rate and the the low strikeouts. Yeah. And and at the time we traded for him, I said that was exactly what our lineup needed because we you know we were striking out and and we've always said the strikeouts are fine because they usually come with power so we can we can put up with it but we clearly needed someone at the top of the lineup to put the ball in play and get on base and Tommy was exactly what we needed just at the right time. Well, and speaking of that conversation between like batting average and power, home runs, RBI, stuff like that, um you look at the team's batting average this year. It was not good. I mean, I I, I, say, I try not to. Look yeah, <laughs> I I don't think you and I could sit here and say, well, it was fine. It, it it was not good. But on the other hand, I mean, the amount of production was not that far off from normal in terms of just being in games and, and giving pitchers run support. So, I mean, is this is this just an unexplainable of, of baseball or does the batting average um, become something you want to try and help the team improve, get more players that hit that way? or how, how do you see all of that? There's a lot of factors right now. Obviously, we've seen with, with shifts and better defensive alignment yeah. that just the, the number of balls put in play that end up as hits has is, is gone down every single year. And I think that's a function of advanced reports and advanced scouting. Um, at the same time, this year in particular, I think was hard on hitters. Um, yeah. You know, the routines that they are so used to were completely eliminated by the protocols. I know I've seen I've seen Mark Hanna talk about you know not being able to watch his at bats you know, yeah. during the game and make adjustments. You know, you look at a guy like Oli hit 195, right? And, and you know, you know that's not it's basically not even real. Like that, there's so much <laughs> there's so much talent there, and it it really you know our discussions internally have been like. Like how much stock do we put in 2020 stats at all because things were so backwards. But yeah, um, but yeah I, I, I think batting average is something that will sort of regress to the mean. But there are adjustments you have to make based on how, how good teams are at defending right now. I mean, Ole is kind of the perfect example. Below the Mendoza line, but also led the team in homers led the team in RBI. So yeah, there you un- go. <laughs> unde- yeah, undeniably pro- productive <laughs> yeah. and a good offensive year. So yeah. who knows what, what to make of it. All right, last couple things here. Um, your rotation last season, I don't think there were uh, a lot of wide widespread uh, complaints. I mean, they they did the job. Could they have done better? Sure. Could, have, could things have gone worse? Um, I imagine. But maybe you didn't necessarily get all the success and struggles from the the places you expected. I think there were some surprises both ways. How do you how do you see building a rotation for next year in terms of what you already have and maybe what pieces you'd look to fill in? Well, I think that the the first four guys who come to mind, Zardo, Montes, Manai, and Bassett. I think each guy at times during 2020 could have made a case to have been our best guy. And ultimately the inconsistency um, was probably a result of this sort of broken up season, ramping up for spring training, then having to shut down and get back. I mean, you look at, you know, you know, Bassett was probably the most consistent, but even he, you know, we saw a little bit of dead arm at the end of summer camp, you know, Montes had the, the back spasm and it, 
totally threw him out of whack right. for a few starts. Sean really never got going until five or six starts in. And after that, he was outstanding. Um, and Jesus had to deal with having COVID yeah. during summer camp. I mean, there's there's a little bit for every guy. But, but the reality is if you have something close to a normal year, a normal spring training, um, that's a really solid you know, four out of five guys to start out with. Last thing here for you, David, and I realize that we're um, we're mid-pandemic. I certainly hope that we're getting close to the back end of it uh, very soon. Um, but you, as as basically a, a boss, as an employer of of baseball players, um, how do you see all of them going through the process of of playing during these times? Like you said before, you know it's not easy. Um, how do you feel about doing and, and the A's doing pretty much everything possible to keep these players? Um, healthy and their families healthy and in the position to succeed and do the job that they're supposed to be doing, even though it's under nothing but normal circumstances. Yeah, it's um, it's a little hard to sort of reflect right now, because like you said, we are still in the middle of this. Yeah. I mean, there is there's a light at the end of the tunnel, which is great. And the fact that vaccinations are starting and hopefully you know available for a lot of us in the next few months is wonderful. Um, so it's a little tough to reflect. But that said, I am really proud of what our guys did in 2020. I, I remember the meeting we had, you know, March 14th or whenever it was when we completely shut down right. and, and no one sort of knew what was ahead of us. You know, there were definitely guys in there who thought, Oh, we'll be back in a week or two and, and whatever. And I, I remember thinking like, no, this is going to, this is going to take a while. Um, and the fact that we were able to, to have a season to keep baseball sort of on the map in 2020, I think, was huge for the industry. Um, and that our guys did work so hard to to stay safe. And even when we did have a positive test in the middle of the year, it was clear how how well we adhered to the protocols because no one else tested positive. Right. And at the time, we knew even less about the spread than we know now. And, and our guys did a great job. And, and you know, I mentioned Bob and the coaching staff to sort of do their jobs, oversee this group, keep everyone safe. I mean, I, there's a long list of people who who really deserve recognition, our, our athletic training staff and our medical people and the strength guys. Like, this was a really a team effort, you know, all the way up to David Renetti and the stadium ops people who set this all up for us. So there's, there, you know, I, there's no shortage of, of people who did an incredible job in 2020. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully the fans and, and the people who follow us uh, benefited by by getting to experience baseball this year. Well, David, really appreciate the time. Happy holidays. Um, and I know you have such a great baseball team and foundation already in place. I, I certainly hope you get the chance in coming months to, to build on it for whatever season we're about to experience in 2021. Well, thanks, Brody. You too. And yeah, we are looking forward to a, a more no- normal season coming up. Yeah.